Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. The CDC reports that a third of working adults get less than six hours of sleep each night. But why do we keep chasing sleep instead of enjoying sleep? Sleep researcher Dr. Chris Winner, author of The Sleep Solution and The Rested Child, and host of a new podcast called Chasing Sleep, which you can hear on the free Odyssey app, is on the line to discuss our poor sleep habits. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Dr. Winner, start by telling us how we can calculate our optimum sleep. That's a great question. I think it's okay to start with an eight-hour assumption. So if you look at a group of adults, eight hours is probably the average. So if we're starting there, that's probably a pretty decent jumping-off point. So if you've gone a week getting your eight hours of sleep and you are still struggling to stay awake during meetings, you're nodding off during your favorite show, fell asleep to your, during your kid's travel soccer game, then that might be a good indication that the eight hours is not quite enough for you. If, on the other hand, you're getting in bed to get your eight hours of sleep, going to bed at 11, getting up at 7, and it always takes you 30 minutes to fall asleep, you could either continue to rest for those 30 minutes before you fall asleep or maybe adjust your schedule more like 11.30 to 7 because 7.5 might be best for you. So paying attention to sleepiness and function during the day, speed with which it takes you to fall asleep can all be pretty decent indicators if you're on the right path to getting the right amount of sleep for yourself. How do our sleep habits and need for sleep change over time? They change a lot. They change tremendously from the time an individual is born for those first few years. I mean, every, every parent can tell you, wow, you know, when they were... My child was first born, he was you know, sleeping 12 hours, awake for 12 hours. And then you know, very quickly that starts to change. Naps start to evolve. Your kid gets into a more of a pattern where they're sleeping at night and awake during the day more consistently. But those changes really never stop throughout our lives. We tend to see diminishments in sleep from the time we're born all the way till our senior citizen years. In addition to the amount of sleep that we're getting, the timing of our sleep changes. So you look at teens, they love to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and fight about going to bed. And then if you let them sleep, they'll sleep until noon on the weekend. So they have a very delayed schedule. But if you go down and visit your in-laws down in Sarasota, you know, they're going to bed at 7.30 and they're up at 3 o'clock, you know, making everybody breakfast. So that timing of sleep can change dramatically as we mature as well, too. So it's always about finding the right amount of sleep and timing, not only for the individual, but for the individual at that point in their lives. And how does the season affect our sleep? Yeah, so my last name's Winter, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty in tune to this because everybody's sad during the winter. They sleep poorly during the winter. So I always feel bad about that. But, you know, it really has to do a lot of things. Light's one thing, that we don't get as much light during the winter as we do during the summer if you're in the northern hemisphere. The other thing is that temperature really kind of throws people off depending on where you live. If you're somebody who likes to get out and walk your dog or jog in the evening, it might be difficult to do that when it's snowing and dark. So exercise tends to change. Light exposure tends to change. 
And those things have sort of a direct impact on not only our you know, sleep quality, but our mood and our mental state. So a lot of things can go sideways during certain times of the year if you don't have a plan in place for them. So if during the work week someone is only getting five to six hours of sleep a night, can they catch up on sleep during the weekend? You can. You know, this is a concept we talk about with, called sleep debt. And it's very debated, which is kind of fun to hear a bunch of sleep doctors talk about sleep debt. <laughs> so you know, I think you know, if you've got 10 of them, they'd all have a different opinion. My opinion is sort of down the middle, and there's plenty of research to back up the fact that if you are somewhat deprived of sleep on Monday, if you can make up for that debt that you've accrued within the next you know, five to seven days, there's really never been shown to be a dramatic impact, if any impact, on your health. So I always talk about the sleep credit card, you know, here's your sleep credit card issued by, you know, by me, and, and you can rack up a two-hour debt tonight because you only got five hours of sleep. Now, as long as you pay that two hours back within the next week, no penalty, no finance charges, no effect on your health. So napping can be a really good tool for making up for the places in our sleep that we sort of aren't necessarily perfect with. And one of the episodes that I really like of the Chasing Sleep podcast had to do with ABC anchor Diane Maceda, who really struggled with the intersection of trying to get the right amount of sleep with her career as a journalist who did a very early morning show. So for people like that, or maybe like you, trying to juggle those types of things, the nap can be a very good way to supplement the sleep that you needed to get but didn't. And tell us more about your podcast, Chasing Sleep, which can be heard on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, so this is a joint venture between Mattress Firm. It's actually hosted by Washington Post health correspondent Anahad O'Connor. So I'm one of the sleep experts that's featured. But what I really like about the podcast, which makes it different from a lot of other similar types of things, is it's a really patient or individual-centered approach. So you get to hear the story of the ABC News anchor or the ER doctor or the professional gamer instead of it being sort of the expert down. And the experts who are involved in it, myself, Dr. Seema Kosala, who's amazing, Jay Wu, we're there to kind of add color and context, but it's very much an individual story and driven by that narrative. I've been sleeping... I've been speaking, (laughs) and clearly I need some more sleep. I've been speaking with sleep researcher Dr. Chris Winner, author of The Sleep Solution and Rested Child, and host of a new podcast called Chasing Sleep. Is there anything else you want us to know? If you want more information, you can find me at Dr. Chris Winner on Twitter as well as Instagram. I have links to all kinds of good resources out there. You know, I think educating yourself about sleep is really the first step. So finding good sources that you like, that help you understand not only sleep in general, but your own sleep is really the first step to maximizing this variable, like nutrition and exercise, that we can control to make ourselves healthier and perform better. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, and thank you for helping us get some good sleep. You're very welcome.